How's everybody doing? You know, uh, it's just amazing to me how everyone peels off the stage like they do. I walk in the middle of it, it's like chaos, but it's directed and, and no one falls over. It's just amazing. I'm probably the one that comes closest. But, uh, we're really glad that you guys have decided to spend some time with us here today at Church in the Valley. My name is Jeep Underwood. And, uh, we're gonna, today we're gonna be continuing a series that we've started last week called Amazing Grace. And we're looking at just, just how amazing God's grace, uh, really is. And the central idea behind the series is to receive God's grace, you have to come to the place where you know you don't deserve it. You have to come to the place where you know you don't deserve it. And then when you approach Him, He then extends His grace to you. And you really enjoy the freedom that comes from, from that and having a relationship with Him and being adopted into His family. <clears throat> you know, uh, last week we looked at one of the things we looked at was one of the life of uh, John Newton, the one who actually wrote the song Amazing Grace, and looked at some things about his life. Now, you know, when you uh, later on, we're going to watch a uh, we're going to watch a movie clip uh, about uh, the Apostle Paul. But you know, when you, when you have a life that uh, has an impact, they tend to make movies about you. And um, like, uh, I won't bring up Braveheart, but you know, just uh, Braveheart's a good one. Um, but you know. John Newton, there's a movie that came out a few years ago, uh, and John Newton was a character in this movie. And uh, the movie was called Amazing Grace. It was about the abolition of the slave trade uh, in Britain. Great story. But there was something about his depiction that just, that I had, it was really hard to watch because I had read his biography and I, and I knew enough about him to know that for him, when he looked back, <clears throat> at the things that he'd done in the past and he had the regrets that he had for the things and the way he'd lived, he was not bound by that. And yet this movie depicted him as almost like that he, his regrets over the past really controlled the way he lived in the future. He was trying to do things that would compensate for what he did in the past. And it just, it just really was hard to, it was hard to take because that's just not who he was. And that's really not where he wound up. That's really not who he was. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, it's really easy. It's really easy to let our regrets about the past, even the past week, control us. It's just easy to let our regrets just really control us. And I think, you know, the folks that wrote that movie, they probably just couldn't imagine any other way to deal with the fact of regrets as to just be trying to do things good now to compensate. That's probably just their, the world they see the world the way they see the world now. The truth is that we all have regrets. We all have regrets in our lives. Um, we all have things that, you know, we, we wish we didn't do. There, there's like, you know, I wish I, and there's some blanks there. It could be, you know, I wish I didn't do that, but I did. I wish that I could take that back, but I can't. And, you know, we all have those things in our lives. You know, I remember when I was 10. Now you think of Jeep. You've probably a little older than 10 now. Um, you know, this is like so many years ago, but I remember when I was 10, a group of, the group of friends that I had, uh, we, we kind of banded together and we were in like a fifth, sixth combination class, but there was, uh, one of the kids' name, his name was Blake, and he was the smallest one among us, but he had the biggest mouth. You know, it's like, it was amazing how big of a mouth he could have, and, and he was like one of those guys that just like cut everybody down all the time, and, and he, he was very sarcastic. I, I really don't know where that came from. I wasn't, wasn't very, I, I didn't really contemplate those things much when I was 10. 
But he was just, it was just, that's kind of the way he, he lived life. And one day we're in a, in a group and he, he, he came after me and he like cut me down and he, he said some things and made fun of me. And, and I just got mad and I turned around and I just said, Blake, I would cut you low too, but you're too low already. <laughs> and you know what? There was a lot of laughter. But what I saw in his face, what I saw in his face is that I had hit him right in the heart. And I immediately, I wished I didn't do that. But I did. Immediately, I wished I didn't do that. I wish I could take it back, but I couldn't. And he was, uh, you know, his, his size was something that was real, it was something that really bothered him. I didn't even really know that. But I felt really, I felt really bad about that. You know, I remember the first time, the first time that, uh, I spoke at Church in the Valley many, many moons ago, uh, there was a guy who was visiting, a gentleman, he came up and he talked to me and he said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm really glad to see you walking, you're walking with God. He said, you know, I'm, I'm 71 years old and I didn't really start really connecting to God until just a few years ago and I didn't understand. He says, I really wish I had connected earlier, but I'm really glad you are. There's just some regrets in his life. You know, we all have those kinds of, uh, those kinds of regrets. The problem is, is that we can get caught up in looking back at the regrets that we have to where we really can't turn around and really look at the future. We can't really turn around and really see what it is that God has in front of us. But it's truly, it's the reality of God's amazing grace that allow us to turn around in the face of the regrets that we have and really face the future and really step into the future with hope with him. And, uh, you know, I want to spend some time this morning with, uh, with the Apostle Paul, just looking at Paul's life a little bit. And he was someone who really did, he had a lot of regrets. He had a lot of things he could look back and, and regret. And as we get started, like I said earlier, if you really impact the world, people tend to make movies about you. And so they made a movie about Paul a little over a year ago called Paul, the Apostle of Christ. I'd like us to watch the trailer for that. So we're going to watch that real quick. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a terrible evil in the world. Darkness is spreading. I know you are suffering persecution. Faith is being tested. I know you question the way, but I've come to Rome to find Paul, to write his story, to bring hope, to bring light into this present darkness, and to remind us all how God changed a hateful man and will change the history of the world. Luke, I'm not dreaming. Rome stained with the blood of her brothers and sisters. This is what trusting God gets you. People are desperate. We're the only light left in this city. I cannot fix their faith. You can inspire their faith. The rest of people looking to me for Christ. The day I heard you preach, my God, I saw Christ in you. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. What do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. We've got to get these out of Rome. Think that we are plotting an escape. Write another word and I send you to whatever god you want. Luke! Let government overthrow Rome. To what end? Justice! They want revenge. No! Why not? Love is the only way. 
comes, you will have the strength to do what is right. Your people die today. This world doesn't know a thing about love. It really is. It's, it's a great movie. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the questions that, he, that, that Luke asked is, how does God change a hateful man? And Paul was definitely someone who did that. So this morning what I want to do is I want to take a little time with Paul and look at the things that, that he could have to regret, but also how he dealt with that and then the way he handled looking at the future. So that's where, that's where we're going to go this morning. I'd like to start off by looking at 1 Corinthians 15.9. This is something Paul wrote. Uh, to the Corinthians, and he said this. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I think he might cringe at that trailer. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And I, I think those were very weighty words for Paul. Now remember, this is the man who was known for his love and his sacrifice to other people. This is, this is the man whose love for others really set the pace for the people around him. This is the man who wrote the chapter on love, literally, in 1 Corinthians 13, which gets read at every wedding, <laughs> or many, many, many weddings. Many weddings. But he, he defined what love is in a way that no one had ever really understood before. That's this guy. And he, he gave his life to really love others. And he actually started this, this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, with by saying that, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. I want to remind you of this. He's talking to believers. He says, I want to remind you of this. So this morning, I'd like to just imagine Paul sitting at the desk writing these words. Um, he may have been dictating them to someone, but he's writing the words this, and he writes, I think as he wrote these words, he probably paused. Now, it's not there. I can't say this for sure. But I think he probably paused and he reflected. And he thought back. And I think that phrase, I persecuted the church, just really resonated with him as he wrote those words. In fact, you know, his mind probably went back. I want to just kind of recount a little bit. I think his mind may have gone back to the event that really spurred the persecution that he was talking about. There was a, there was a believer named Stephen who was really full of wisdom and full of grace. And he was going around and he was sharing things with people and people were trying to confuse him, but he just like was just so wise he could he could win every argument until finally a bunch of guys got really angry with him and they take him to the Jewish council and they give him a bunch of false charges and they, they're trying to get him condemned for something. And Stephen takes this opportunity to really share the sweep of Jewish history and how it led to Jesus. And right when he gets to Jesus, he says, and Jesus was the Messiah and you betrayed and murdered him. As soon as he said those words, the guys that were in the room, they just rushed. They just got really angry. They got enraged and they rushed him. I like to look at what Luke says happens next. He says, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, Saul is the guy whose later name was changed to Paul. When after he became a believer. But... 
Saul, Saul, as you, as you'll see, he had influence in this crowd. And even though he wasn't actively participating in what was happening, he could have influenced how it turned out and he didn't. And so the very next thing Luke writes in Luke 8 is this. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is the day that that what that event sparked a, a persecution that just began to come against the church. And Paul's the one who led it. In fact, the next thing Luke writes is this. In uh, verse three, he says, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Paul was trying to destroy the church. He, he thought it was completely outside of what God was doing. And he was pursuing it, trying to just eradicate it. He was causing, he was going on raids, people's homes, and he was arresting people and taking them, trying to kill this movement of Jesus. And then he was so driven that he heard of a community up in Damascus, which is like over a hundred miles away. He heard of this community in Damascus. And he got some, he went to the council and got some authority to go there and do the same thing. And so he headed up to do that same thing up there in Damascus. Now, I think, I think that when Paul wrote the words, I persecuted the church, I think that he wished it wasn't him. But it was. I think he wished he didn't do it. But he did. And I think he probably wished he could take it all back. But he couldn't. But the very next word, as he's writing and as he's reflecting, he writes the very next word. And the very next word is but. But. And in this word, I think in this word, in his mind, he began to transition and he began to move towards looking towards the future and the way God had really used him and the the life that God had given him. And I think it was right at this point that he quit considering the past and he began to just consider what happened on the road to Damascus. And uh, we're not going to tell that whole story here. You can read uh, Acts uh, chapter 9 to really see what happened there. But he encountered Jesus on that road and he encountered the grace of God. And Paul, the one who did not deserve grace, became the one who understood it the most. It completely changed and marked his life. And so as Paul's writing this down, he pivots towards the present and the future. And then he says this. And the rest of uh, verse 10, he says, but he says, I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I but the grace of God with me. He said, by the grace of God, he said, you know, I'm not fit to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, he said, that's exactly what I am. He owned it. That was, he, it was an identity. It was, it was something that God had given him. And he said, that's exactly what I am. In fact, you know, before when he encountered grace, where he was headed and where he wound up are two very different things. And that's the same thing in our lives as we encounter grace. And it was really, it was the grace of God that really gave Paul the freedom to really walk with God into the future, into the life that God had for him. You know, when we, when we get fixated, and this is a very, this is a strong tendency, it's something that I definitely have, is when we get fixated on our past and the regrets 
that we have, maybe even for the past week. It binds us up, and we really don't have the freedom to step into that life that God has for us. That's something that can really hold us back. And, you know, there's, all of us really have this default setting of performance in our lives. We have this default setting where we feel like we have to do everything right. We have to do everything right. And, you know, there's, uh, there's something in us that knows that we really don't measure up. Now, in our culture, we live in kind of a really, a very judgmental culture. It's interesting because everybody says, don't judge me. But what everybody does is judge them. I mean, you, all someone has to do is just write something on Twitter. And all of a sudden, they've lost their job. They lost. People make snap judgments. And bad things start happening just because they, they said something. People make these snap judgments on them. Well, we all know there's something in every one of us knows that we don't measure up. And so Paul makes it clear, makes it clear that we don't have to measure up to connect to God. In fact, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, he really just explains, he, he really helps us understand like how we really connect to grace. He says, for the, for by the grace you, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. You know, I, I was, uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I was hanging out with a friend of mine and we were talking about meaningful things and I began I began to share the gospel with him. We began to talk about the gospel, having kind of a dialogue about it. And he, as I as I shared some things with him, after a little while, he goes, "No, wait, wait, wait." Um, he says, "You know, I I can't I can't come to God right now." And I said, well, "Well, why not?" He goes, "Well, I man, I got to get some things in I got to get some things in place. There's you know, there's things you know I'm, I'm just doing stuff that isn't right. I gotta I gotta try to you know I gotta do better. I gotta become a better person." And and I said, "Now, have you ever thought that this is way more radical than you're thinking?" And I, and I shared this verse with him and I, and just helped him see that actually he was in exactly the right place. He was in exactly the right place. It's right when you know you don't deserve grace is when you're really able to receive it. That's just, uh, that's a big part of what grace, what grace is. And you know that truth, that truth that we don't earn it, it's a gift from God. That truth is the truth that changed Paul's life. And then as you look at, uh, as we look at First uh, Corinthians fifteen ten, Paul goes on. He says, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." And then he says, uh, "I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me." So Paul says that he continues, grace continues to operate on an ongoing basis in his life as he's living forward. That's that's what the grace of God was really doing for him. And so, in the next verse, the very next verse is Paul's writing about grace. The the quintessential verses on grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The very next verse, he talks about as you live into the future. And he says this. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so, so that we would walk in them. God created each one of us. God created each one of us with a purpose. And we're not accidents. God has really created us. He really wants to use us in the world. And, uh, you know, maybe you felt in the past like you're an accident or there's really no point to it all, but God has really created you to really make a difference in the world. And um, when we encounter God's grace, there's really something new that's created in us. And we're created, what he says is, for a life of good works. We're created for a life of good works, a life... 
you know, the good works, this, it's uh, works that are really meeting the needs of other people, really loving other people. And it says that God prepared these beforehand for us, that we would walk in them. And so we're to, we come to God on the basis of grace, not on the basis of works. It isn't the things we do that gives us connected to God's grace. But then, because we have his grace and we are in his family, we're then, he really wants us to go really live and make a difference in the world. Now, the issue that, that we face is we tend, we tend to think, in fact, if, if you look at the, there's a slide I'd like to pull up on the screen. Um, if you tend to, uh, can you guys go to the next slide? Thank you. Uh, if you look at your life, we tend to think that really it's the gospel and the grace of God that brings you to the point where you accept Christ. And then after that, it's the duties of discipleship. It's, there's just a lot of things you're supposed to get done. But the reality is, is that if you go to the next slide, grace is really meant to be the atmosphere within which we live. It, you never lose your need for grace. We need the grace of God every single day of our lives. We don't earn our way. We don't, we don't, we don't do things right so that we earn God's favor. We, we actually have His favor already. And it's really in that atmosphere uh, that really things really make a difference. And I think that's what, what Paul meant when he said, I labored more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. It's the grace of God with us every day as we walk and live through our lives. And that's one thing we have to, we have to learn to do is we have to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We have to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day to really to really uh, remind ourselves of really the truths of how God really ex- really accepts us. And uh, you just remember, you know, before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning, before you ever do anything right, before you ever do anything wrong, he completely accepts you just because of who, just, just for who you are. And he has a hold of your hand like you're his kid. He, you, he actually has adopted you into his family and you're his kid. Now, you know, David, King David, you look back in the Old Testament, King David was someone who really understood the grace of God and how to really walk with God. And he paints a picture of this that I wanted to share this morning that I think uh, really, like I said, captures a picture of this. This is in Psalm 37. David says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. You know, this is the life that God has for us. It's the steps that he's putting in front of us when we're walking in them. And then he says, When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. You know, when we, when we encounter God's grace and we receive Jesus in our life, what happens is we're adopted into his family. And what happens at that moment is he grabs you by the hand and he's never going to let go of you. You become his forever child. He's never going to let go of you. And, you know, I, I think of, you know, when our, when our kids were little, I think one of my favorite memories of our kids is when you're walking along and you got their hand and you're walking along and they're, you're walking down the road and you come to this big rock and they're like, their eyes get big and you go, you want to jump on the rock? They go, yeah, well jump. And you jump and you pick them up and they're like flying, I'm flying. You, go, you drop them on top of the rock and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm on the rock. And you know, they're, they just think that's the coolest thing ever. And then you're walking along and there's like a, there's a little goalie or something there and they, they just jump and you just carry them over the top of it and they're like, I can jump goalies. And then, 
you can, uh, I remember, I remember like, the, our kids used to like to walk on walls, which was very unnerving. So you, they're walking on this wall and you're holding their hand and you're, you know, they're like, you know, just carefree and you're, hold, you're looking at them going, okay, I gotta be ready for whatever's gonna happen. And so you're like, as you're walking down the thing with them, they are total freedom to walk on a wall that's this wide. You know, if I let go of their hand, they wouldn't have that freedom anymore. They get scared to death. Now, what they know is the reason they have that freedom to walk on that wall is they know that if they fall, daddy's got their hand and they're not going to hit the ground. And so as they fall, and I, you know, this happened a few times. In fact, there are all kinds of things, you know, kids climbing walls and jumping at you. Is it all kinds of things they do to you as a dad? But there's something, there's something about when daddy holds you by the hand that frees you up. And you know, there's, there's nothing you can't do when daddy holds you by the hand. And that is a picture of how God wants us to relate to him. It's a picture of really as we walk into our lives, he doesn't, he doesn't want us. He doesn't want us to, to, to have this idea that, well, I know you like me, but I'm going to go try to do some stuff and I hope you like it. And maybe you'll like me too. He's like right there with us everywhere you go. He's got a hold of your hand. And he's saying, hey, let's go do this together. And I think that's when Paul said, the grace of God with me is God is with us and he cares about us and he makes sure that we never fall headlong when we fail. We have the opportunity, we have the real freedom to fail and pick up all the pieces and try again. We're never going to lose out with him. That's an amazing, amazing thought. Now, what do we, what do we do with this? Like, Having this kind of relationship with God, where do you go with that? And that's that's a question that you could probably write several books about. But I'd like to just look at something that Paul said just a little later in Ephesians. He he talked about the grace of God. And then he talks a lot about just the way that practically works out in our lives. And uh, just how, how, we're, or how do we live and really relate to one another. And then in Ephesians 5.1 he says this. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. What he's, what he's saying is you're his kid. You're his kid and he won't ever let go of your hand. So in the reality of that grace, in the reality of that relationship, imitate him and walk in love. Come alongside other people and hold their hands. Help them with the things that they're doing to really extend love to other people. Really, what Paul would say to us is we're to extend grace to other people. We're to extend grace to other people. Now, when you look back at Paul's life, you know, in his conversion, there were, there were people that really extended grace to him. And I, I'm just going to mention, uh, three of them real quickly this morning. You know, there was, there was Stephen. Stephen, as as he died, he said this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So even as he died, he forgave Paul for what he did. And he extended to Paul what Paul did not deserve. And then you look at uh, when Paul became, he was on the road to uh, Damascus. He has his great experience with Jesus. And then there's a guy named Ananias. When God tells, goes up and he says, hey, uh, I'm sending this guy to you. You may have heard of him. His name's Saul. And Ananias, like, freaks out a little bit. Like, uh, I think, 
you know, God, he's coming here to, to get us. He goes, yeah, but uh, it's different now, and I want you really to spend some time with him. So Ananias, he spends time with Paul, and he helps him connect to God's grace fully and helps him understand that. Now, Ananias gave Paul what he didn't deserve. He really extended grace to him. Made a huge difference in Paul's life. And then Paul, after after many days in Damascus, there's a lot of things that went on there, but after many days in Damascus, he comes back to Jerusalem and he tries to connect with the disciples there. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm one of you now. And, and they're like, ah, right. Uh, and he says they were afraid of him. They're like, they didn't believe he was really a disciple. And like, this is some ploy. Yeah, yeah, you want to come by the house? Yeah, uh, no, no. And they were just just frightened of him. Well, there was this guy named Barnabas. This guy named Barnabas, he saw where Paul was. He saw the shunning that he was getting. And he did something that probably changed the course of the world. Because Paul could have been shunned and never connected to a, to the group. Barnabas, it says he took a hold of him. And he took him to the apostles. And he just explained his story. And he said, this is real. This really happened. And this is really who he is now. And it says after that, Paul had the freedom to go out and he began to relate to people. He began to talk to people. Barnabas, he gave Paul what Paul did not deserve. Because um, God had really given him what he didn't deserve. And he extended grace to Paul. Now, as we as we wrap this morning, as we look at each of our own lives, I think in each of our own lives, we need to just look around our lives today and this week for people that needs grace extended to them. We need to really look around who around our lives could we extend grace to this week. Um, you know, for next, like each week we, we talk about next steps and, and ways you can put things into practice. You know, maybe there's someone this next week, maybe there's someone who really just needs forgiveness. You need to forgive them and you need to extend to them what they don't deserve. You know, maybe... Uh, Maybe you've never connected to God yourself and you really just need to open your heart to him and approach him and and say to him that, God, I don't deserve what you have, but I believe that what you did on the cross with Jesus has actually paved the way for me and I want to make you the boss of my life. You could really respond to his grace this week. Um, It could be maybe there's someone around your life that you really need to share the gospel with, someone that you can... Really extend grace by helping them understand really what the gospel is. Maybe there's someone around your life that needs help this week. Maybe there's someone who really needs someone to care about them this week. Look for look for folks around your life that you can really uh, extend grace to. And maybe maybe you you're one of us who really struggle with performance. Maybe you're one of us who really struggle with regrets. Just what you need to do this week is is really spend some time understanding what the gospel is and just preaching the gospel to yourself every day. That I am his forever child and he has me by the hand and he's never going to let go of me. Well, let me, let me ask, uh, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And uh, if you if you still have uh, some things to fill out on your connection card, now's a great time to do it. You can drop it in the offering when it comes by. And I'd like you to just pray for us as we continue on with the service. Dear God, Father... Uh, We're very grateful to you that you have us by the hand and you watch over us. And God, I just pray that you would really choose us, really choose us 
in the, to work in the lives of other people. And I pray that you'd really give us opportunities and really the grace to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.